welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey everybody, hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I guess this is coming out for, uh, I hope you had a Happy New Year. Um, today is January 2nd, if you're listening to this the day it's released. Uh, this is my second straight week of reruns. I don't think my grammar was correct there, but who the hell cares? Uh, this is a rerun of one of my favorite episodes back from October of 2021 with comedian Sam talent comedian and author sam talent um was very excited to have sam on the podcast because i absolutely loved his book um running the light uh just a phenomenal book about a comedian it's a fiction uh novel um just absolutely great and uh, i was also excited he just had a special come out uh a year ago or now, more than a year ago when we recorded this and uh i'd gotten to know him from listening to to him on other podcasts he spent uh some time with doug stanhope uh in his compound in bisbee arizona uh stanhope's kind of the guy who discovered his book so to speak and really pushed it uh, i'd heard him on uh, bert kreischer's podcast and uh, probably the biggest one was wtf with mark Marin. so i was excited he was uh a great guest, uh, and hopped on with me on my podcast. I would say he was the first, I don't know, borderline famous uh, person who's on my podcast, maybe. I don't know. I'm probably forgetting a person or two before, but uh, definitely was excited for the opportunity to have him on. So throwback to uh, to those days, way back in episode 43. New episode starting January 9th. The episode's already recorded, locked and loaded. I just have to put an intro and an outro on it. That is with the host of the Astrology Now podcast, Christine Rodriguez. Had a very fun time uh, talking to her about, well, astrology, which is not really a topic I've, I've covered much uh, on the podcast. Of all the things I've covered, I'm still finding new things that I have not. And I also have my January 16th episode locked and loaded with a, a very uh, eclectic gentleman uh, who has a, a wide array of uh, subjects he can talk about. So be on the lookout for that. Um, hey, be on the lookout for appendicitis. My <laughs> woke up the day after Christmas and heard vomiting, and it was my daughter, and uh, thought maybe she had overeaten a little bit, some uh, grandma's lasagna or something. But no, no, she had appendicitis. And I suppose the day after Christmas is better than the day of Christmas, um, but still had to spend the 26th and most of the 27th uh, in the hospital with her waiting until they could get her in for surgery because, you know, holiday time. So, uh, but all is well with uh, the, the, the person with the second most appearances on the Jeff McAlino podcast. Um, she is home and healthy, no complications. So thank you to uh, the doctors and nurses that uh, helped take care of her. Um, all right. Enjoy this rerun 
you know, if you weren't listening back then, this will be new to you. So, uh, and, and I will say this, this is actually one of the, not one of, this is the only episode that I recorded and aired in 2021 that is still uh, hanging on in my top 10 episodes as far as listens and downloads all time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Right now, I welcome the great comedian and author, Sam Talent, to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you, Sam? Jeff, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here with uh, the one and only University of Southern Florida football fan that I've ever met. <laughs> there aren't many of us. No. I mean, it's tough, though, because like UCF really fucking caught on. They're a very powerful franchise. I mean, USF is nothing to scoff at, for sure. But I don't know. Yeah. If I've met, I mean, who played at USF? um jpp that's okay. probably the biggest name yeah um Kayvon webster he was with the broncos for a while yes he was um, so we've had a few decent nfl players but jpp is probably the biggest yeah okay it only started in 1996 so it's still still like They're, relatively where, young where are they tampa tampa okay you know what's fucking strange to me man is uh coastal carolina Coastal Carolina yeah. seems to be a CIA psyop because they came out of nowhere and now they're just dominating mid-Atlantic football. Yeah. And how'd they get ranked so high at the, I, in the preseason polls? I don't know. And also they have like the weakest strength of schedule ever. They're just mm -hmm. crushing all these people continually and they're fun to watch. Uh, I remember when they first went D one and they had that little meatball of a running back. He was probably like five foot six, 250 pounds. And he was just ping ponging around. He was a fun guy to watch because he looked like a crime against nature. <laughs> Those guys are fun in college. They don't ever seem to work out beyond that. Yeah, it's like, remember Ron Dane with Wisconsin? Every Wisconsin yes. running back is like the greatest collegiate athlete ever. And then they move from Wisconsin where you're allowed to drink 15 beers a night and only eat cheese curds. And they go to the NFL and it's like, oh, God, you can't come into camp at 275, Ron Dane. <laughs> yeah I, I i i've always credited it's it's got to be wisconsin's of offensive line and all the of course get to eat. <laughs> oh yeah the old lines are always legendary dude i mean it's the same with iowa when they run the single back it's like they don't really get a lot of athletes but they do get a lot of farm-fed big men who also probably wrestled in high school because they're from the midwest and god as a former offensive lineman wrestling was so good for my footwork yeah, they I, I played football in high school not very well, not very long because I always I got injured time after time. Sure. Where'd you grow up? Uh St. Petersburg, Florida. So right. Oh man, you're, you're right playing football Tampa. in Florida? Jesus, that must have been fucking hellish. It was yeah, it was hot. It you're was playing hot. with men. No, it's just like the the football players who come out of the South, they're just like I don't know if you remember the first time you ever saw like a, a classmate have pubes. <laughs> I remember I was in sixth grade, this kid, Chris White, like we were changing for a basketball game and he just like pulled his shorts off and it was full bush. And it's like, oh, you're a man and we're still <laughs> children. And no wonder you're, uh, you know, going for 20 and 15 every game. I mean, that just has to be high school football in Florida. It's just like the pubeless and the pubed. Yeah, well, I was so slow that the only place they could play me was defensive line. And I was oh, yeah. 135 pound freshman year. And I was going up in practice against guys who weighed 275 and 300. Yeah, Jeff, that's not fair. That's not a good thing. That's bad coaching. <laughs> you wonder why I got hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's a total disregard for a boy's life. <laughs> that's fucking terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, D-line, of course, are the dumbest 
people in any sport. They're pretty much just shrubs. You know, you tell them to go left or right. I mean, it's fun. Uh, nose tackles, they don't get enough love, but like, they're just not that smart. I, and I'll say that here live on your podcast, defensive tackles probably swallow their tongues more than anyone knows about. <laughs> I, maybe it says a lot about me. I had the most fun playing nose tackle yeah. at that, even at that weight, because all you had to do was just absorb two blocks and try not Bingo. to get knocked on your ass. And I wish I knew that more when I was in high school because they kept telling us to make plays. And it's like, well, as a nose tackle, your entire job is grab onto whatever jerseys you can get your mitts on. Just yeah. hold on. If you can make the team go from 11 to 10, like you've done your job as a, as a nose tackle. Yeah, that's they don't call defensive holding on uh, on nose tackles in high school football. No, so that was my tactic was grab and if, onto the and if they do and the fucking fix is in, dude. That means mystical has a kid on the team. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw that. Uh, there was a great like MTV followed around mystical and uh, it was like a day in the life of him. And he went to like a middle school football game. And at halftime, he pulls the quarterback aside and just shows him a lump of money. Like they don't, they don't have mics on them or they chose not to use it, but he just shows the kid a lump of money. And then the team proceeds to win by like 35 points. And then mystical <laughs> gives like goes up, tucks some money into the kid's shoulder pads. Like he clearly tried to fix the game. Jesus. and that's the kind of gambling i want to get into is fixing regional middle school football games i think that's fun it's it's got to be easy to get away with yeah and also who's running that book you know like <laughs> what fucking degenerate is like oh man saint cross is uh, is playing fucking jefferson we got to get this line down to minus 13 it's just it, it what a some, crazy life some kid's alcoholic uncle sits under the bleachers and takes the yeah. game <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, I coach uh, my son's flag football team, his eight oh, nice. flag football team, and they they they've always had a super team that has not lost a game or has not lost a game, and they have the closest game they ever had was against my team in the championship game. Uh, we we had a ten six until the last play. I sent an all out, and they scored a touchdown, but it's the last play. If we didn't get a pick six, we we lost yeah. anyway. So you did the right thing, man. You tried to rattle their mind. That's what you yeah. got to do. Did, what is it? Is, is it effectively seven on seven? It's five on five. Okay. Yes. And how do you how, how do you tell if you can rush the passer? Is it like a three Mississippi count? You have to line up where the uh, I think it's seven yards back. Okay. And you can blitz right on the snap. Okay. Otherwise, you can't cross the line of scrimmage until the ball's been handed off or passed. I see. Is there a lot of uh, running the ball in five on five flag football? At 8U level, there is, because okay. kids can't throw and kids can't catch. Yeah, I remember those days. I remember playing football from third to sixth grade before we got into the school program. My dad was my coach. Third grade, we lost every game. Fourth, fifth, and sixth, we didn't lose a game except for one, which was hotly contested. And I don't think we threw a forward pass once in those four years. That's, uh, that's actually why my teams tend to be good is because I just kind of uh, – I, I just – cross my fingers and hope the other team's going to throw the ball a lot because people yeah. fall in love with it but it's just more likely than not you're going to throw interceptions not completion <laughs> yeah. they just throw the ball up <laughs> <laughs> but uh so sam i uh I, I had to ask you to come on the podcast because i've mentioned this book on my podcast i think this is episode 43 okay and somebody had told me that i've mentioned this book at least a dozen times in the first 42 episodes <laughs> ah jeff i appreciate that man thank you <laughs> it's uh just a, an awesome book um and i heard of it first when doug stanhope uh i think this is before you even met stanhope yeah he brought it up on his podcast 
Yep, um, the king, man. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, a big fan of his. Um, and, you know, he said it's the most realistic book I've read about stand-up comedy because yeah. there's a lot of movies and, and stuff that are, uh, even as someone who's only done open mics, I can tell are really exaggerated and awful. Um, oh, yeah. Not that I've ever traveled the road, but I feel like, um, well, I'm glad I have children and I'm kind of tied away from doing this. Yeah. Um, because I feel like I could be a very similar character <laughs> if I was just left out there on the road with no oh, yeah. obligations. Man, if you're if you're a stray dog just on the road, I mean, it's very easy to go feral unless you have like responsibilities. And the guy in my book for sure grew tusks and doesn't know how to get rid of them. You know, he's just a fucking razorback out there in the brush just trying to take down birds. And uh, it's good that you have, uh, you know, <laughs> people you love and uh, things you like doing besides cocaine and bathroom sex. I think that's an <laughs> admirable trait in any any man. So good for you, dude. Yeah. No, no, it's not to say I turn it down. but <laughs> Yeah, no, you live a big, bold, beautiful life. I understand. But, you know, you have your priorities. That's good. Yeah. And, like uh, I don't think Billy Ray ever coached any of his kids games, you know, no, I don't think I, he attended any of them. Right. Exactly. I, yeah. I doubt he even knew they were in them. <laughs> but that's. Uh, oh yeah. No, he for sure. Like uh, probably forgot about his kid's birthday. So he like was at the airport and probably came home with like an arena football league Jersey and was like, Hey, I know you're into football. Here you go, kid. And it's like some team that he's never heard of. That's the parenting that Billy Ray would provide. Yeah. One, one thing I thought was, was one of the greatest things in the book. Um, and by the way, you're, you wrote this yourself. Uh, yeah. The writing is amazing. I mean, it's, Thanks, man. it's, it, it, you wrote it. I think I'd heard you say, maybe it was on Stanhope's podcast, but you wrote it relatively quickly. It sounded like. Yeah, I think, I mean, cause I've like been asked that question enough that now I think I've whittled it down. I think it's between, I know it wasn't a, it wasn't a year. I think it was like 10 months was like the first draft was done in 10 months. And uh, obviously there's an editing process after that. But like having it out of your head and being like, oh, OK, now I can shape it better. I think that process began right around between eight and 10 months. And uh, uh, the the part I, I'm going to reread this book. So, by the way, don't ask me, friends and family, to borrow this because you can go buy your own at samtalent.com. Yeah, yeah, T A L L E N T. And if you're an audiobook person, uh, you can get it wherever audiobooks are sold as well. And that's um, awesome, isn't it? The audiobook has a bunch of different comics on it, right? It's got 14 different comics. Stanhope reads it, Canaan, uh, you know, Mark Marin. Uh, the only complaint that I've heard is, is Tim Dillon. Uh, I guess, you know, Tim Dillon is an incredibly busy man. And the fact that he was willing to take time out of his very lucrative schedule to read a chapter is uh, I'm always indebted to him. But I guess people say that he kind of like stepped on the gas towards the end. And of course he did. I don't know if you've ever had to read something aloud for over an hour, but it's a nightmare. I'd rather like trade in my teeth than have to do that. So thank you, Tim. Uh, and if you complain, don't don't do it publicly. All right. Just DM me, please. <laughs> it, it took everyone about an hour to do theirs. I imagine Bert Kreischer's chapter took about eight. Oh, dude, God bless him. Bert, you know, uh, he finally figured out how to say the word to come carry, uh, which is a city in New Mexico where the first show takes place. And uh, the, the first the first uh, thing he says is like uh, to come carry. And then uh, he, he says the, the name to come carry like six different ways. And uh, we got them all on tape. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everyone makes fun of Bert for not being able to read. And uh, he definitely turned in a, a very nice performance. So I'm grateful for him. No, I mean, that's the I... thing about this book, dude, is like 
Stanhope, uh, he championed it first and then he got it to Kreischer. And then I got on Kreischer's pod and then like, you know, enough steam was built that like, you know, Ari and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Mark Marin had me on his podcast. Like it's just been totally organic and it's all just because Stanhope took a like to it because everyone respects Stanhope. It doesn't matter who you are in comedy. You have to know that he's one of the greatest to ever do it. So I just fucking, and also now to become his friend is like one of the coolest things to ever happen. Yeah, and it's touching to see from uh, from from someone who had a, a midlife crisis. I'm 34, but I, I figure the way I live, midlife is fair. Oh um, yeah, I'm 34 too, dude. Oh, I, think, I think it's all borrowed time. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, this this is whiskey, and it's 2:14 p.m. Eastern time. So oh, that's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. <laughs> I, I start with a pint glass. <laughs> okay, good for you. Yeah, not healthy, but um i love as someone who decided to try to fiddle in the comedy field at, at a later age than than normal um uh seeing how much support that really everyone get, gave i mean yeah. it, it you know it was kind of touching to see from an outsider's perspective just like one guy and Sanhope, i think you're right has to be there i know there's certain cliques of comedians who probably don't like the other ones and and I'm sure there's some some things that uh, differences between people. Stanhope seems to just kind of be over all of that. Oh yeah, Stanhope doesn't give a shit about anyone's opinions, uh, which is why he's the greatest. But yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest victory, and I mean, for instance, the audiobook, like Chris Gethard has a very specific fan base, and Chris, an old friend of mine, and he's never been anything but excellent to me. And then I think that Tim Dillon and Ari Shafir have a very specific fan base. And the fact that that Venn diagram loops over and the only thing in the middle is they each read a chapter in my audiobook. Like, I'm very proud of how, you know, across the board, just comedians in general. Fucking, uh, someone told me like two weeks ago that they were at the cellar in New York and they saw Louis C.K. reading my book at a table. And I was like, well, that's, you know, one of the better things I've ever heard. Yeah, you know, obviously right. Louis has a problematic uh, situation, but he is one of the best comics ever. And on, you know, I have the most respect for him on stage. And uh, it's just, it's crazy all the comics who have said they liked it. I don't know if Norm ever read it, but uh, I know he owns some copies. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And uh, uh, obviously, sadder to talk about that now. Uh, yeah. But Norm MacDonald, not to spoil the book by any means, but Norm MacDonald has a pretty substantial cameo in it. Yeah. Um, and my God, I would have thought that you consulted with Norm to write <laughs> Norm. That's how good the writing, authentic it sound, it reads like Norm MacDonald. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I'm really excited that uh, I didn't blow it. That I was so scared about that, of not sounding like, a, not actually being able to write in Norm's voice, but people have been very nice and said that it sounds like him. And I never fucking met the guy, but I don't know if there's a better comedian ever. I think he's the funniest person to ever do stand-up. I, I said when he when he passed away, um, Twitter is a nasty cesspool, of course, 99 percent of the time when he sure. passed away. Obviously, it was very sad, but I'm like, this is the best I've ever seen Twitter in my life, because everybody in the world, no matter why I followed them, was posting Norm McDonald clips on Twitter. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is it's so sad, but this is the best day ever. I just watched 20 hours of Norm <laughs> for yeah. over a week. Oh, yeah. Do you, you ever watch those clips on YouTube? The I'm not Norm guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that guy must have seen a fucking spike in his money. As soon as oh, Norm yeah. died, that guy must have been just fucking. He probably like bought a new house off of everyone mourning Norm. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. 
it's uh it's because i subscribed to him afterwards and oh, yeah. i just went down his channel and was just clicking on stuff oh he's the greatest man i don't know what he's up to but his borderline scary obsession with norm mcdonald has really been comforting to so many people yeah yeah i i hope he's somehow i don't know re related or somehow connected to norms <laughs> since dude he's presumably <laughs> making money off of this yeah, I mean, I don't know how monetization works on YouTube, but I think he's probably okay. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of YouTube, uh, I also got your special, uh, Waiting for Death to Claim Us. Yeah. Uh, and I've now watched it twice. Which, oh, nice. Yeah, so it's, um, I watch a ton of comedy, and I rarely watch things more than once unless I'm going back for a specific joke. I watched sure. that full, all the way through two times. It's really good oh it's a um, huge compliment thank you jeff i don't ever watch comedy more than once so that's really nice to hear yeah i very very rarely do and I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna lie i'm gonna go back and watch the the joke about walking in on your wife i'm gonna yeah. go back and watch that at least a dozen more times over the next few <laughs> months it had me here's the other thing and you probably are similar when i watch stand-up yeah. i rarely laugh out loud right. I typically when i'm watching at home by myself i'll typically be nonverbal or maybe be like that was funny yeah i was laughing hysterically by myself on my couch watching oh, that man both times <laughs> that rules thank you jeff yeah, yeah that, I, I think that's the curse of liking stand-up so much is eventually it just becomes like math you know like you're like oh yeah that's the correct way to do that joke okay yeah i didn't see that coming you know you're not like hooting and hollering but okay. shane gillis's special made me laugh aloud that was really funny yes his was awesome too yeah uh, and his is also on YouTube. Um, That's right. His is free, uh, which I wish I could have put mine out for free, but I had a production company involved, so they wanted to make their money back. Yeah, no, no. Well, yours is very well produced. I mean, you had three, it looked like three cameras traveling. Yeah, three cameras for 14 different shows. Uh, we shot it over like a year. Um, I think we started in September of 2019 and ended the day before quarantine was enacted, like March 14th of 2020. So, yeah, and those are old high school friends of mine. Like, I've known the director since we were in Montessori school, and I've known the cinematographer since, like, third grade. The whole reason that special looks cool, which I really do think it looks, like, unique and kind of, like, arty, if you will, is because the cinematographer, uh, he just always shot skateboarding videos. So yeah. it just looks, it has, like, a real, like, it feels like you're in the room. Yeah. Also something I'm proud of that I didn't even think about, but the god, the greatest of all time at riffing, Rory Scovel. He hit me up and he was like, I watched this and I got to tell you, it was really cool how you showed the audience even when they weren't laughing. Like, I guess a lot of specials only cut to the audience when they're losing it. And there's uh, two or three times that we put in there where there's like a woman or a man who is visibly upset that they're at the show. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm happy that we did that on accident because it just shows what it's like out there. There's there's part in that Minneapolis uh, part in Sisyphus Brewing where there's a woman who's uh, refuses to look at me, but also won't look into the camera. So she's just kind of like dead eyed and vacant looking straight ahead. And it's like, damn, we really captured what it's like out there. <laughs> well, that was the beauty of it was it was twofold. You felt like you were in the club watching you perform. Yeah. And well, thank you. You also, it almost had the vibe of, of the book to an extent where we're also traveling with you. Yeah. We're seeing you go from venue to venue. You have the nice cuts of little little bits in between that shows you 
you know, sitting next to uh, the Cincinnati Reds mascot. Yeah, stuff. Just little things yeah. like that. You getting a tattoo. Yeah. Um, it was the a nice Cincinnati part, dude. Like they, the director was waiting for a cloud to clear in the sky. So I just sit there and riff with that fucking mascot on that bench for like 40 minutes. And then, of course, we used what? Two seconds. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Quit directing so hard. Let's go get some cannolis. <laughs> and it was it was very interesting and obviously not intentional. And maybe maybe it actually hurt you in, um, that it it came up to where COVID shutdown started happening. Yeah, yeah. And I like you didn't put the date in there until it became part of the part of the thing. You didn't put, you know, October 2019. Right. So I'm yeah. watching it. And I, in the beginning, I'm like, I wonder when he shot this, if this was pre-COVID or post-COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I love the way, and, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if this was your decision or not, but the way you did not, unless I missed it, you didn't put the date in there until COVID started affecting things. Yeah, I mean, and that was a decision that Comedy Dynamics made. They were like, we're going to put the date in here to give this some kind of stakes and like a B plot. And I didn't really want to like milk that teat, you know, but I mean, it, it ended up being smart because I think people like to know, you know, in for instance, that pinball bar, uh, the one in Kansas City, that show was canceled that morning, uh, like the venue was canceled. So we had to scramble. And the only place available was this weird pinball bar in Kansas City, Kansas. And like, that is a fun thing to know, I think, for the viewer that we didn't want to be in this room. And it's not really conducive to comedy. But hey, we did it and, and, uh, and here's why oh yeah dude i mean and that was fucking so stupid <laughs> like my director not realizing that we couldn't use any of those entities uh i mean god bless him we were all scrambling man and also you know after the shows we were all having a couple cocktails you know we were i was having cocktails on stage uh so <laughs> we did our best man yeah no it it came out excellent and you're very funny Thank uh, you. which is obviously the i mean that's 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 the main key um the um one now this is where i'm going to go uh inside baseball comedy nerd stuff that yeah will lose my uh my parents uh and those (laughs) kind of listeners but shout out to um, the macalinos you raised a good (laughs) handsome boy the uh the way that you hold the microphone or i should say the microphone stand i was fascinated by that because i've been trying to pay more attention I'm a, uh, I hold as close to the top without being aggressively. Um, yeah, like, like it, rap battle style. Yeah, I hope because I'm so conscientious of knowing exactly, not getting too close because I'm a yeah. very loud person, but not getting too far. So I know you're holding way down here. So, I mean, I guess that part of that's just experience and knowing where the mic's going to be and yeah. second major. <laughs> I think that me, I think I know, like I have a relatively decent understanding of like how far the mic, like the proximity from the mic to my lips is, but I hold the mic stand in the air and like it dangles, you know, a couple inches off the ground because I used to have a tendency to lean into punchlines. So it was like kind of like I think it was a hacky, like uh, subconscious decision to, you know, and here's the punchline. And I would lean in and a couple of my friends called me out for it. So now I can't lean into it if it's in the air, you know, right. like if it's like if it's physically on the ground, I'm already hunched over because I'm six four. So like the mic stands never really tall enough to get as close as I need it. So I would lean over and then I just do this like real like fucking vaudeville like and here's the punchline. My friends yeah. were like, God, you don't really need to, you don't need to do that. Like that's like an old fucking hacky carny trick. And I was like, OK, so now I hold it up in the air to prevent myself from being the hack that I am. 
Oh, that's interesting. See, I, and and I, I'm probably one of the only people who will ever bring that up. <laughs> no, that's special. a great point, Jeff. Yeah, no, I haven't been asked anything about that, man. Yeah, well, I, hopefully I'm the only one. Hopefully that's a unique uh, observation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the um, So jumping back, and I know a little more of your backstory than, than because I've, I've kind of, I went on a Sam Talent binge, not even before I asked you when Stanhope started talking about you and you went and stayed with Stanhope yeah. uh, in Bisbee, which <laughs> you'd, you'd fit in real well with that pint of whiskey at two in the afternoon. Let me tell you, <laughs> yeah, part of me thinks I would, I would just never come back. I'd just be like, yep, this is my home now. <laughs> oh no. He would ask you to leave at some point. <laughs> He's very good about setting boundaries. <laughs> I, I do need I do need my own Tracy though because I'm getting low. <laughs> oh, dude, Tracy's such an angel. Everyone down there is just like, I mean, it seems like you're walking into some kind of freak show, but they're just people who are like liberated and have decided to not do anything they hate, and they all love each other, and it's a real family. I mean, everyone says it's a cult, but it's it's not a cult because Doug's not the leader. Doug's just another wheel in the cog of what's going on down there. You know, uh, they just all happen to like work for Doug in a way so but they're all he wouldn't he wouldn't let them live on the compound if he didn't love them dearly yeah no and uh one thing I, actually I'll, I've mentioned this on my podcast before but one thing I did the reason I actually started to do stand up and started a podcast uh year and a half ago I started writing uh, a, a dark comedy screenplay oh, nice. and uh, uh I've I've written about two at this point that are like 70 percent done but yeah I, I was writing it and i was it was coming out way too dark and not enough comedy sure. <laughs> so one of the first people actually i think the first person i reached out to was doug stanhope i sent him an email and i thought he's never going to reply less than 30 minutes later i had a reply from stanhope oh my god and uh and the and i'm sure the first part i'm sure the whole thing was somewhat of a form email but the first part he said who do you think you are? You're, you're <laughs> Jeff fucking Macalino. You're not an ideas man. And then he said, but seriously, <laughs> if you start, just finish it. And he's like, nothing might happen with it. But if you finish it, it might sit in a drawer in a desk. And every time you open that drawer, you'll, you'll smile knowing that you finished it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh man, I got to finish this shit. <laughs> For sure. Did you? Uh, and, and that's, that's, and then I ended up reaching up, out to some other comedians and the ones who responded all said, if it's not funny enough, start doing stand up and start a podcast because you'll have to find a way to be entertaining or funny because yeah. otherwise you're it's survival instinct. If you can't make them laugh, you're going to die. <laughs> oh yeah. Your, your ego will kick in and it's fight or flight. And hopefully you, you survive, you know? Yeah. My, my very first time, I'll tell you this very first time I do an open mic, there are 15 co comics who are coming in and out, you know, they're not paying. And attention. where is this? Uh, St. Pete beach place okay. called coconuts um jim brewer actually got his start there um and he went on rogan's podcast and the next time i went to do stand-up was that week and the place was packed <laughs> whoa it was my second time going up on stage and i had a i'm like oh man i i wasn't ready for this and that's I, a result of the brewer bump uh well i think the rogan bump <laughs> Sure, or it could have yeah. just been a coincidence because <laughs> oh you don't call it the you don't call it the brewer effect <laughs> <laughs> yeah pa packed being like 30 40 people um, that's huge for an open mic yeah yeah uh, audience yeah. members yeah but the yeah. first time i did it nine audience members and six of them were my friends and family 
Oh, that's the worst, man. And, and Every comic my... makes that mistake right away. Yeah. Well, in my first joke, I had an easy setup punchline. Bam, I was going to hit it. Now, none of these six people are comedy club people either. So they're sure. not really like, you know, you give a courtesy laugh if something's kind of funny just because you're yeah. there and you want to acknowledge it. Well, they're not going to laugh. So I give this punchline and crickets. Oh and I'm like, God. oh, no, I was doing this for a layup for my because I just wanted to get the first laugh out of the way. <laughs> yeah, you were setting the table and then they fucking. Oh, that's that's you brutal. Do you remember what the first joke was? I do. I do. It was. Uh, Tell me the joke, Jeff. <laughs> um, I won't be able to do it. At, well, I probably didn't do it that well then, but I was I, I was talking about how lazy I was. OK. And that uh, I I was going to eat and I had a, a sink full of dishes and I had no clean forks. So I went on Amazon Prime and I same ordered same day delivery for a dozen stainless steel forks. OK. So the joke being. And that, that was the punchline. The joke being that I'm so lazy. Instead of washing a fork, I went on Amazon Prime. Okay. All right, Jeff. Uh, yeah. Not a great, not a great joke, but it it's was okay. Better. It's your first time. I mean, there's a premise there. You know, there's, there's, a there's premise meat there. on the bone. You just need to know how to get it off. <laughs> well, that was that was the problem. Is I had I had I I mistook, and I think everyone probably goes through this. I mistook having some good premises and no punchlines for being a good set. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then you realize, wait, wait, I've got a good premise and, and even we'll get laughs at the premise, but then yeah. I've got nothing to follow. <laughs> yeah. When the premise gets a bigger laugh than the punchline. Oh, what a slow death that is. Or, or when the premise is the punchline and you don't have it. Yeah. It's oh, like, Jeff. Oh no. And you did that thing where you brought your friends and family. I didn't even, I just told them I was doing it. I didn't mm -hmm. think they were going to show up. <laughs> sure. But they um, love you and supported you. God damn yes, them. Yes, and I, yeah, I told them not tricks. to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, I mean, I don't I know, dude. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, after doing stand-up for like, you know, as I've been doing it like 15 years or so, the only time I'm ever nervous at all is when I have friends and family there. You know, like I always want them to sit as far away from the stage as possible. I love performing for strangers. And I think that it's easier to learn in front of strangers because a stranger at an open mic your first time, you're not going to have to talk about how bad you did at work the next day. You know, they're not going to keep asking you at Thanksgiving, like, so are you, are you still doing that? Because they saw you the worst you ever are is the first time you do stand up. Yeah. So yeah, if there's any new comics listening, don't, don't bring the family out until you, uh, you know, aren't wearing a fucking proverbial diaper. <laughs> yeah that's uh uh the 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 key is don't tell them you're gonna try until you've done it and you're good at it so oh yeah they show up <laughs> oh yeah tell them you're gonna do it your first time after you've done it 25 times <laughs> you know that's a fun <laughs> trip that would be great <laughs> oh yeah that's a real smooth way yeah, i'm gonna go try out this thing and then it's like everyone at the mic's like hey jeff how you doing and you're like well, i don't know what they're fucking talking about but it's good to be here <laughs> i just have a familiar face with someone yeah who's the same name as me <laughs> yeah exactly <dude. laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh that was a mistake. Um, I have a very supportive family, so no. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. That's good. So I do too. My my mom and dad, you know, they were there at the beginning, and my dad came uh to to Boston with me this weekend, and you know, came and watched me do some shows. So that was fun. Yeah, the um uh, one thing I <laughs> I wanted to ask you, what yeah. does your uh and and obviously the the caveat being that not all comedy is based in actual fact, but um i i've always i'm divorced so I, I i've always said sometimes there's an easy slam dunk on an ex-wife 
Mm-hmm. I, it's nothing personal to her. It's just, it could be an easy scenario. You're married. Yeah. Um, what does your wife think of your comedy, especially when she's involved in it? <laughs> so yeah, like the beauty of my comedy is that I'm a huge liar and like nothing <laughs> that ever happens in my act has actually happened on in real life. Like there's a bit, I think in that special about Russell, which is my, uh, in my wife's brother, he isn't real. My wife doesn't have any brothers. <laughs> so people will always come up to me and be like, what's Russell think of that bit? And it's like, well, he, he's not real. These are jokes. <laughs> None of this uh, is, you know, I'm sorry if that ruins the veneer for all of you, but uh, my wife has asked like one time uh, I did, she's from Detroit and I did a Christmas show in Detroit and her, all of her family was, there was like 35 family members. And at the time I was closing with that, uh, that pickle, that pickle jar joke, the one that you like, the wife masturbating joke. <laughs> and she like stopped me, but right before I went on stage and she's like, can you please not do that joke? And I was like, don't worry, baby, I got it figured out. And I just changed it from wife to girlfriend. I had a girlfriend who used to do this, but then halfway through the bit, it just right goes back to wife. So not only have I fucking made it worse, I've also made it confusing because I opened with I had a girlfriend too. I walked in on my wife masturbating. So yeah, no, uh, she's cool. She never complains. Uh, She's I mean, she's a saint. And also she's fucking mean as hell about me uh, off stage. You know, she's really gives me the business, too. But she she gets it. Uh, and you know, I, I know that that bit in particular is the only time where she's been like, please don't do this. My coworkers are here. There was like two or three times where she asked me to change it. And I was like, they know I'm lying. And they're like, no, these people are stupid. What? No, they're your family. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, uh, and I did have in all seriousness, I have is Russell real written down. Nice man. Yeah. I wanted to ask you that because I'm like, I'm guessing not. I hope not. No, no, dude. (laughs) Sounds like, awful. <laughs> yeah i'll i'll uh i'll write a joke and then i'll try and figure out how to fit it into you know just like a running piece that i have just always try to figure out how to tag longer stuff or set up shit for so it flows a little bit better and like that 40 minutes i mean we had, i had like i had an hour that i was originally going to put on that special and then it ended up just being like we you know we sat and we edited it for like three months during quarantine and all the stuff that I liked the most, all the stuff that the crew liked the most was was not in my act. So that's why you have all those like riffs and, uh, you know, bits of crowd work in there, because that's just funnier shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I did like that hour flowed. So it was like, you know, set up Russell. Oh, he's a gay camp counselor. And then, you know, he's like, I just made this like very nefarious man that I could make be the villain in, uh, you know. And I don't know. It, it was solid, but yeah, I'm a fucking liar, dude. Nothing, nothing has happened to me. I've, <laughs> I, I have actually done a similar thing where I've created a friend, uh, except for I actually uh, named him after the name of one of my kind of outer circle friends. Yeah. No, but it's not him. Right. <laughs> but I use him as the straw man of this awful douchebag. It's, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. Straw man. That's exactly what it is. Hell yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 good to know that I'm uh, I'm I'm not good at comedy yet, but at least I got the I got some of the basics. <laughs> oh, yeah. The basics are pretty much just lie. Uh, anything you can do to get a laugh, do it. Um, you know, don't care if you hurt your loved ones. That's pretty much all I've just been saying so far. You know, those are my <laughs> rules of comedy. It's very Machiavellian. <laughs> <laughs> Be horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ends justify the means, you know, think like Stalin up there. the um uh one thing i and i know you've been asked this um this is jumping back to running the light 
Yeah. Um, I know you've been asked about uh, Billy Ray Shaver and who uh, who you visualized when you did it. And I know it wasn't really a specific person necessarily. Um, and I think Stan Hope brought up that this would make a great movie. Yeah. Um, had you ever, uh, I mean, I don't know what the hell the process is to, to turn a book into a movie. Yeah. Um, have you have you thought about that or tried to uh, go that route at all? Yeah, man. So like uh, the option rights were I sold the option rights to these brothers who uh, live in London and they've made movies from novels. They were just nominated for an Australian best picture for uh, the true history of the Kelly gang, which is an adaptation of a novel that I loved. So when I found out that they did that book uh, and turned it into a movie, I was like, cool. But now I'm in the process of I really want to write the screenplay, but they want to get like a big name screenplay writer to write it. So it's easier to sell Like if you have like, you know, some name attached to it. And so that's I mean, I don't know, dude, it, there's a there's a great like Hunter or no, who was it? Uh, Ken Kesey wrote, uh, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And his rule when he published it was like, never turn this into a movie. But he didn't say that they could turn it into a they couldn't turn it into a play. So they like wrote it as a play. And then that movie was like based off the play. So that's the, the loophole they got. Uh, so he notoriously hated the adaptation, the movie adaptation of Cuckoo's Nest. And someone asked him once they were like, so um, have you seen the movie based on your book? And he's like, well, let me ask you this. If someone told you that a bunch of hell's angels were going to rape your daughter on your lawn, would you buy a ticket to that? <laughs> so that's that's kind of like where I'm at with the movie is like, look, if they fuck it up, you know, I make some money. It's out of my hands. Uh, I can't be blamed for it. I wrote a great book and I'm very proud of it. And whatever happens to it now, hopefully it sells some more books because I still own all the rights to the books, you know. So everything I do is just like hopefully more people buy the book. Hopefully more people read the book. And I'm fingers crossed the movie's good, but uh, I don't know what it's going to look like, man. Gotcha. Well, and that's uh, there was a there was this. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's even a good story if I can even tell the story. But early on in the uh, adaptation process, like the first screenwriter, screenwriter they talked to was this like very famous uh, writer of films in the UK. And his big idea was to have the personification of death, like the hooded, you know, uh, the Grim Reaper riding shotgun with Billy Ray Schaefer. Uh, and when they told me that, I was in New Orleans and I went up to the bar on the phone and I was like, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a fine, you know, it's, a, it's an idea. What are you going to do? Double bourbon, double bourbon. <laughs> and just started drinking it like two. Cause I was like, fuck, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. That's uh, hopefully they don't go that route. <laughs> yeah. He's currently not attached anymore, but uh, good. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I, I hope we can. Uh, John C. Riley would be the one that I, if I could cast it, I would love for him to play Billy Ray Schaefer. I, I, actually, I hadn't thought about that. That he would be great. Or also looking at you, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but Danny McBride would also be very good. Yes. Uh, by the way, the reason I have this is because uh, my friends convinced me to be Kenny Powers for Halloween. For Halloween, <laughs> dude, I wasn't gonna bring it up early because I thought it was hacky. But uh, yeah, you've got a fucking hardcore Kenny Powers thing going on. I went to a Rays game. Yeah, and I didn't wear my hat because I, I it's kind of messy. Oh my god, it's even crazier without the hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, and it's wet right now. When it's dry, it gets it, it's pretty similar. 
Uh, and I have the Kenny Powers uh, uh, Myrtle Beach Merman jersey uh, yes, that I have true. ready for Halloween. And I'm like, you know what? These are about the same colors as the Rays. Yeah. I'll just wear this because yes. at least now I'm not spending 30 bucks for one time use of it. Um, oh, I know. People were taking pictures and videos of me all <laughs> night. And the problem was they wanted me to be Kenny Powers. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're like, I'm like, oh, hi. They're like, no, oh, man, that's not Kenny Powers. I'm like, uh, you're fucking out. <laughs> Yes. I oh, yeah, no voice gonna, at the end of the night. <laughs> you're gonna crush on Halloween. <laughs> you're gonna get so much weird pussy for being Kenny Powers. That's gonna rock. <laughs> Give me an update after Halloween. Let me know how the night goes for you. Yeah, it it'll probably end with me uh, getting blackout drunk and Ubering home. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You know, that's, it's that's still a victory. Normal. Yeah, it's Halloween. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the one night where it's like acceptable. <laughs> yeah, if you get home, that's a huge victory. Yeah. If you yeah. don't wake up outside or on a toilet, you're you've done your job. <laughs> well, that's that's one thing. I, I haven't been able to craft the stand up yet. I am a uh, as you can probably tell, as I've already refilled and had a backup cup with ice. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> while we've been talking, I drink a lot um, yeah. and I, I black out a lot. Uh -huh. And when I first started blacking out, I used to wake up at, like I didn't know blacking out and passing out were different things at first. <laughs> Like, yeah. I thought I must have fallen asleep in the last place I remember. But then I always woke up in my bed. Yeah. And I never questioned how I got there. Oh, yeah. Like, how much was an ass? How much of an asshole is it that it's like, oh, my friends must have just carried me upstairs and thrown me in my bed? Oh, yeah, dude. I've uh, I've had two instances recently where I bought a cowboy hat for a wedding. And I've been wearing the cowboy hat on very... I wore it to the wedding and I wore it to my wife's birthday party and both times I've blacked out. And uh, the first time I like was not allowed to play blackjack in uh, in uh, South Dakota because I was like fucking visibly like, way too drunk. And like they were like, that wasn't that bad. But I guess at my wife's birthday party we had here at the house and I fucking got tanked and we had all these uh, all these citrus fruits. And the last thing that I remember is my wife yelling at me because I'd thrown a bunch of grapefruits at passing cars and on the roof of our house. So I'm right there with you. I got to not wear the cowboy hat when there's a drink in my hand. <laughs> that's the uh, yeah, that's the uh, it's bad when you see a video of yourself yeah. and you're like, oh, shit. I thought I must have been sleeping somewhere when this happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I have no memory of me being this person. And also, it's great because, like, when I woke up after my wife's birthday, all of our friends and family stayed over. So I just woke up to a very eager bunch of people who were just very excited to tell me what a fucking ass I was the night before. So that was its own personal hell. To be hung over and also being shamed by your loved ones. Good God. Rolled damn tide. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> by the world the damn tide by the way at that open mic my very first one where i just bombed for the first yeah. two and a half three minutes the first joke i got that landed was i was talking about my doctor and i was doing an act out and i said went to the university of florida go gators and everyone laughed <laughs> because that's the thing down here is yeah. all the gators fans and most of them uh you know mowed my grass Mm -hmm. but they're gators yeah. fans and right. they just constantly go gators go gators so it's yes. kind of the same as so i did laugh at that too i'm like yeah hey, that's how i got my first laugh completely unscripted oh yeah attaboy i wish uh i wish that we had something cool like i we don't have i don't have like a college football fandom here because we had the broncos you know and like it's just very different uh in colorado because no one gives a shit about the fucking cu buffaloes and 
CSU Rams, who cares? No one gives a fuck. So I'm always envious of people who went to Auburn or Clemson or, uh, you know, fucking Alabama or, you know, anywhere in the South because that football heritage is so cool. Yeah, that's uh, until uh, and I'm a Saints fan, but uh, until the Bucks got Tom Brady. Yeah. No one around here give, gave a shit about the Bucks. Uh, I mean, you had Mike Allstott. <laughs> I grew up watching those all stop work done backfields. That was a lot of fun, man. Oh yeah, no, that was a that was that was uh the, there was a bandwagon back then, but after yeah. the Super Bowl in 2002, they slowly drifted away and uh there were there were no Bucks fans. Yeah, is that what Trent was Trent Dilfer your quarterback? Trent Dilfer was the quarterback in for the, the late Super Bowl 90s. team? No. Um he was the quarterback for the Ravens Super Bowl. Right. Team. I know that's where he got his ring. Uh Brad Johnson was the quarterback. Brad Johnson, what a fucking nameless stiff he was. Yeah. And he went to FSU, so everyone liked him already because Sure. Florida, FSU, Miami, they're the ones who didn't graduate middle school. Let me Miami ask you this. <laughs> you're you're from Florida. Has have you ever heard this joke which I've been doing? uh you know gatorade obviously uh was invented down there university of florida right was gatorade right right uh you don't want to know what the seminoles were drinking i have not heard this joke okay well it didn't work with you but you know seminal fluid <laughs> yes semenade seminal yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know anyway you can have that jeff <laughs> no i i had a rough response to one when i was i was mocking dentistry because i think dentistry is a scam okay. not dentists yeah but the whole the the teeth cleaning and all. sure anytime that you go someplace and they keep trying to sell you add-ons like uh -huh. hey here's this special mouthwash or do you want this fluoride treatment on your teeth it's a, your insurance doesn't cover it but it's only 20 bucks that's a scam but the dentist for some reason people kind of buy into it but yeah. the fluoride, have you ever had the fluoride treatment where course, they put yeah. the shit on your gums? And mm -hmm. I'm like, if you, so I, I've bad thing to say on stage. Well, I don't know, maybe bad crowd to say it to. I'm like, have you ever had that? Yeah. It's like if you give someone a blowjob and instead of spitting or swallowing, you just let it cake onto your teeth for three hours. Yeah. That's I mean, that's a rough thing to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that's a brutal yeah. image to deal with on your night yeah. out of town. <laughs> yeah. That might work on Stanhope's crowd, but. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I think it's a good joke. Uh, I just understand why there might be an aversion from people who hear it, but I'm yeah. with you. I think it's solid. Yeah. Well, I, I got squeamish when I said it, which probably didn't help. <laughs> yeah. You got to sell that one, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah if you want to find out what it tastes like i'm available in the bathroom after the show nice tag yep <laughs> i didn't tag that but now i might now <laughs> oh yeah that's the tag <laughs> you got it <laughs> i'm gonna write that down <laughs> you know where i love i love florida and i love uh i love pensacola and i love key west i fucking love florida man i've had a lot of fun in orlando i mean i've had fun all over florida melbourne florida rules yeah, Florida gets a bad rap, which which most Floridians just kind of lean into the whole Florida man thing. It's, yeah, it's like eh, I, I, I went on I went on some kids podcast in Utah and I was telling I was a little drunk uh, and I, I was telling them stories and they were just their mouths were hanging open. I'm like, hey, I'm yeah. Florida man. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I, I have such an affinity for Florida and I, cause it's like, it just seems like an outlaw place. Like it's like the last refuge for people who are fleeing their lives anywhere else. And then they have kids and those kids have kids. So it's just this like strange, uh, you know, it's a fucking freak pit and I love it down there. 
yeah no it's a it's a fun place to live uh, yeah it's uh it, it's got a it, it's got such a and i love uh, my city st petersburg it's got a pretty nice nightlife downtown it's sure. on the water on two sides of the of the city where oh that's great on. so we've got the beach on this side and the bay on this side so boating is everywhere yeah. um you've got the the little nice rural neighborhoods and and you've got the beaches it's like i've got everything we've got i live less than two miles from tropicana field which looks like a shithole but a major league baseball team plays there for now oh yeah <laughs> but jacksonville's so weird to me like the fact that Jacksonville has a football team, because I guess they were projected to be like one of the top 10 cities growth wise. And then that didn't happen. I know it's like one of the largest cities, like by like volume. I can't remember what it is, but just knowing that the Jacksonville Jaguars exist is always surprising to me. Their city is humongous, like size wise, brawl wise, right? Yeah. I think they're the biggest city technically in the state of Florida. Ugh, that um, pisses me off, Jeff. But well, but Tampa's got St. Pete, which is like yeah. Tampa's the third biggest and St. Pete's the fourth biggest. Sure. So it's like and they've got Clearwater, which is the home of Scientology and like the seventh mm-hmm. biggest. Or So Tampa Bay area is a bigger hub, I think. OK, then I'm guessing. But due to <laughs> some like weird zoning issue, Jacksonville's the biggest city in, in the state. It's huge. And it is a weird city. I took it my sucks. son to a Jaguars game. Yeah, uh, the Saints were playing up in Jacksonville. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was the starting quarterback for that game, and uh, it, yes. was, it, it was like we're in Jacksonville. It's like another hour till we get to a fucking hotel <laughs> that's in the same city. Yeah, yeah, it's it's oh man, weird. And yeah, the stadium. Was I like never had. I mean, Miami. I always feel like I feel like I'm not allowed in Miami. Every time I perform there, I'm like, I'm sorry. I know that. Uh, I'm not dressed correctly to be standing up here. So just watch, watch the pig eat his shit for 45 minutes. And then you can all go back to whatever foam party or like sex rave you guys came from. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of comedians and I've heard on, I've heard a lot of comedians on other podcasts. I think Mark Norman said, said something about this on his podcast uh, that Miami's just not, not for every comedian. <laughs> No, it's just some of the most beautiful, well-dressed people you've ever seen. Like, I've never seen people that are like, you know, it's just every beautiful skin tone, every type of woman. It's just crazy. And I, I just, you know, I'm wearing fucking shorts and a Carhartt long sleeve, just feeling bad about myself the whole time I'm on stage. Yeah, see, that would play anywhere in Florida except for Miami. That's why I love Pensacola. That's why I love <laughs> Key West. Yeah. You, can, you can look like you woke up on a raft and you're sunburned and they're like, hey, all right, one of us. Well, I wore, I typically wear uh, black dress shoes, jeans, and just a black button up on sure. when I go up and someone's like, you're really well-dressed. I'm like, I think in most places, this would be like bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. If you're dressed like a valet, then you're doing the bare minimum for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, in, uh, in, in Florida, it's like, you're wearing, long, you're wearing jeans. Yeah. You, you, there's things that cover your whole leg. Yeah, what are you doing, man? Put on some shorts. <laughs> well, I was in, uh, my brother lives in North Florida, closer to, yeah. he's in Gilchrist County. Nobody's ever heard of it. It's by, it's close sure. to Gainesville. Okay. And uh, I went, I, I felt like a hippie because I was wearing flip-flops and shorts and it's like a farming town. Mm-hmm. So everyone's wearing boots and jeans and I'm, people are looking at me funny. I have long hair and I'm like, 
I don't fit in here, do I? <laughs> yeah. That's the That's other the thing about Florida. It's really diverse. <laughs> yeah, don't you guys make the most cattle in the United States? I think so. Yeah. Um, it's a it's North Florida and like Central Florida and South Florida are all like they could be three different states. They're so different. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that whole like lower Alabama area is so bizarre. I love I, I just if, if I ever committed an atrocity, like if I ever like accidentally killed my wife and had to flee, you would find me in, in Pensacola Beach. So if I ever moved to Pensacola Beach, just know that I'm guilty of whatever crime I'm accused of. And please don't tattle on me, listeners. And, and, and I do call North Florida, South Alabama, by the way. That's- yeah, they call it L.A. They're like, oh, I'm from L.A., man. I'm from fucking Destin. I'm from lower Alabama. It's like, all right, dude, whatever you got to say. <laughs> it's it's a different type of person. But we're all we're all Florida, man, no matter whether oh, we yeah. panhandle or the keys. <laughs> I figured it out early how to fit in anywhere in like Alabama, Mississippi or North Florida. Is just no matter what anyone says to you, you can always respond with you ain't kidding. And it just works. <laughs> it works no matter what you could have terrible news good news you just say you ain't kidding and they're like all right this guy's with it he's okay yeah just change the tone yeah yeah kind of like it's kind of like roll damn tide just roll yeah change the, <laughs> it works for anything <laughs> yeah just need to know when to uh <laughs> when to use it um i haven't brought up but i want you to also just mention to the listener uh the chubby behemoth podcast oh yeah man chubby behemoth uh it's uh, me and my best friend nathan lund We've been doing it for a little over a year. We got like 50 episodes on the Patreon, you know, one a week. Yeah, it's uh it's a hoot, man. I'm fucking loving it. Yeah, that's uh that's fun. I didn't discover that until I think when you were in Bisbee was the first time I'm, I, that I that I actually was like, oh, he actually has his own podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that the second episode we ever did was actually at Stanhope's house. Maybe that was the second Patreon. But yeah, he was like, you want to do a swap cast? And I'm like, of course, you can be on my podcast that we've done two episodes of. <laughs> yeah. And it was no, a pretty good I launching point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Stanhope on my podcast. Why would I do oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no way. What are you talking about, you old queen? I love calling Stanhope an old queen he loves it (laughs) so uh, so stanhope like uh i was in boston this weekend and stanhope called me i'm opening for him like in in october in philadelphia and everyone has this idea of him as like this like you know emotionless like uh you know id of a man kind of like just a creature of comfort but he is a human being and he cares deeply for his friends and like my mom died a couple weeks ago Oh. And Stanhope called me and he was like, Hey, you opening, which, which date are you open for me in Philly? And I was like the 19th. And he's like, all right, cool. Hey, I heard your mom died a couple weeks ago. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, are you over it yet? <laughs> <laughs> so that was his way of, uh, you know, saying he cared about me. You over that shit. <laughs> it's been two weeks. Who cares? It's <laughs> like, yeah, you're right, man. <laughs> I, I, I am. I am sorry to hear that. Oh, thanks um, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that's on brand with, I mean, I still, I don't know that it's my favorite bit of his, but the most powerful stand-up bit of all time, I think, has to be him talking about his mother committing suicide. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, that's amazing. Yeah, and I, 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 again, I don't know if it's my favorite because it's not a real upper, <laughs> but uh, it, it's like, wow, he went, like, 
wow <laughs> you know he couldn't tell that bit for like seven years he had to say it was his, like his friend's mom or something yeah well that's uh, the first time i heard it he said that's the first joke i ever had to wait until the statute of limitations told before i could tell it on stage well yeah and i, I don't think it's because of the assisted suicide i think it's because he bought himself season tickets to the cardinals right yeah <laughs> like, well with they, her credit yeah, he card. bought a bunch of shit he, he, yeah. he maxed out her credit cards on stuff. yes and then I think he, in the special where he did that, he tied it back because he was ranting about the whole, uh, we are the 99%, that whole group yeah. back in the day. He's like, I did something, fuckers. You guys haven't done anything. Yeah. So God, he's the man. Yeah, he, he ties everything together so brilliantly. Um, is there, um, so for my listeners, I'm going to tag everything, of course, in sure. the show notes. Uh, any any uh, last words um, as far as uh, things you want to plug anything at all like that oh no I mean thanks for having me Jeff this was a blast uh, yeah you, you, samtalent.com s-a-m-t-a-l-l-e-n-t has uh, you know all my tour dates um, has my book you can buy my book on there uh, listen to my podcast chubby behemoth and a new thing that I'm pretty fired up about is uh, I'm doing this thing where if you pay like $8.99 a month I'm sending out something I wrote that month. And now I'm also including something from other people because I got a publishing company called Too Big to Fail. So people have been sending me all types of cool stuff that maybe I'll publish and I'm sending it out in the mail. Uh, you get, you know, a story from me and then you get a story that I liked and I think you should read. And I'm really fucking stoked on it, man. Uh, it's been fun. We've done two so far and uh, they go out the 18th of every month. So if you want to sign up for that, you can get that on samtalent.com as well. Oh, okay excellent yeah. i didn't know about that I'll, I'll i'll look into that and i'll i'll link it yeah yeah thanks man yeah well sam thank you so much again i i felt like i had to ask you to come on because i've i've talked about your book so many times i feel like it's only fair that they get to hear from you <laughs> oh jeff it was a pleasure man thank you so much for having me and uh congratulations on all the cool things you're doing that yeah. kenny power shit's gonna rule dude i'm so excited <laughs> for you I will I will make sure I have pictures taken and I will send you uh, the results of the evening. <laughs> yeah, please do. And also, like, you got to get the voice down. You got to get like four things that he can say and just have those in the rotation. Yeah. The only thing I got so far was the you're fucking out. But yep. but I got I got to get I, you're right. I, I've got to study some game film. Yeah, I think like there's uh, the Pope fuck little boys. That's a good one. If someone <laughs> asks you a question, you can throw that one in there. Yeah, you just got you just got to you got to watch it and uh, get that together, man, because that's going to be fucking epic. Yeah, I'm definitely going method. It's not. Yeah. Gonna be me. Oh, please it's do. Be yeah. Powers. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yes. And start on Thursday. Like find every Halloween party you can go to and just wheeze the juice out of that lemon because you only got this year, man. <laughs> yeah. You can't live your life as Kenny Powers. You can't Yo, have that hair This forever. shit is getting cut November You 1st. <laughs> are a father. All right, Jeff, you got to get rid of that fucking rat tail collection you have back there. <laughs> amen <laughs> thank you dude i'm glad this was uh, this was fun yeah man. thanks so much sam of course brother boom it's over